so appreciate the time we could just spend and uh, just allow the spirit to do a work. And as I was listening to that last, last song about letting go, and there's a, a surrender, there's a, there's a physical surrender that we're called to of letting go of control. Earlier this week, I uh, was reading a book by a pastor named Tyler Statton, and he wrote these words, which I just paused on, and I reread, and I reread, and I reread. He said this, he said, when we trust God with our worldview, but not our current experience in the world, we are falling victim to the lure of control. Prayer replaces control with trust. A God-given desire is only fulfilled by God-given means. That we have these God-called um, longings in our heart, and, and we want to control. We want to hold on, right? Like, yeah, I believe God's in control, but I want to control. When really it's about the surrender, and that's the only way through some of those difficult realities that you may be walking through or you will walk through in life. And so I want to encourage you is that not just your worldview of I believe God can do this, um, but really the surrender of I know God is working no matter what I'm facing here today. And may you be encouraged by the words and the prayer that we just sang. Now this morning we are uh, going to do uh, two different things in the remaining time. Is One, we're going to get to hear from our, one of our missionaries, Paul Gale. And then after Paul shares, we're going to talk about what is set before us here today in the Lord's Supper. As I was thinking about Paul Gale, I thought back immediately every time I hear the Gale's name back to my childhood church, Three Rivers Bible Church. And growing up and just being a little guy running around and the Gales coming to visit as they were missionaries that Three Rivers Bible supported. And my parents developed a friendship with Paul and Sonia and therefore uh, my brother and I and sister developed a friendship with their girls and uh, we would spend much time with them. And so when Paul and Sonia walked in, it was just a, uh, a warm feeling of uh, great childhood memory. And Paul and Sonia have been faithfully serving the Lord in Brazil for, I don't even know, how many years? 36 years, uh, So which is amazing. And as I prayed after uh, we were done, is just for their endurance and their long-suffering and their patience of the Lord bringing them through. And so I'm going to step out of the way. I'm going to let Paul share some of the things that are going on, how ministry is unfolding and uh, what he sees the Lord doing uh, around him in Brazil. So would you welcome Paul Gill uh, from Brazil. Thank Thanks, you. Sir. Good morning. Just so you know, I went to the mission field when I was two. Now that I had to say how many years we've been there. Just kidding. What a marvelous time that we live in. I know what's coming up. I'm not... Buried, my head's not buried in the sand. But I want you to think, pray a lot. I'm not up here to beat the, the pulpit about um, politicians. But think in the next few days as we pray and go to the polls. We voted early. Three of the m most important events in the Christian's life Jesus was born, died and rose again, went back up into heaven. What was the political situation at that time, all those events? Not good. Not good. God chose that time. He ordained that time to come and do his biggest work. And still is. All right, let's not forget that. Let's not forget that. No matter what happens... God's on the throne. 
I just like to share with you a few things that God is doing. Now we've got some great news of what God's doing in Brazil. Next slide, please. Um, next slide. This is what our ministry does. The goal of the ministry is to serve as a bridge through which um, fundamental Bible-believing churches can link people and resources in the effort to share the gospel and to edify the body of Christ. That's what we do in Brazil. That's what we do. Uh, basically, it's networking with churches in the States. Um, this church has gone down uh, a few years ago and, and helped out in one of our projects. And so I just want to share what's going on. Um, next slide, please. The great things that God is doing in Brazil. Uh, next slide. Just kind of give you an idea. Next slide, please, of where Brazil is, the size of Brazil. And the next one is where we live. It's called the town of Atibaia. It's about 150,000 people. It's a colonial town. It's even older than the United States. It's about 320 years old, this city, and very heavily Catholic influence. But there's some great evangelical churches in this town. Next slide, please. This is what we do. Not all at the same time, but this is what we do throughout the year. Uh, next slide. God has um, opened up a new ministry for us in the city of Achibaya. This is a, one of the churches, a very good Bible-believing church, and they invited us to, to help start and grow their couple's ministry. Now, we believe in, in marriage, obviously, and what we do is we teach biblical marriage, what it means, the great word picture that it means through Scripture, starting in Genesis, going through Revelation, all the way um, to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Where now, as Christians, we are God's bride-to-be. It's going to be great when we get married up in heaven. Um, so there, this is what this is the things that we teach. We also help uh, in cases where help is needed. Next slide. Um, this is just something that they put up. My my pastor. Just sent this the other day. Says, oh, look what what's got finished. The church raised money. They, they don't borrow money. They raise money to get this thing started. They want to have a really good sports ministry. But also they want to have a good couples ministry. Next slide. Um, this is at our home in Brazil. And we what we do is we have groups come in, share from the word. It's not group therapy. It's sharing from the word and things to do to help in the marriage and in the church. Um, next slide. When we went to this new church, we thought, well, maybe they'll, we'll have a meeting and tell people what it's all about. We thought maybe 10 uh, couples would show up. Uh, 52 couples showed up. Not people, couples. And we want to be uh, very interested in this ministry. We got it started in March. And, um, and the week, the, the Sunday before we left Brazil to come home for a few months, um, we were taken in as members there. It's really great um, to, to be in the ministry. I, I can't imagine us doing anything else. One thing that my wife does, next slide please, is they have what they call Project Hannah from the Bible, Hannah. Um, they're discipling young moms with, young, younger moms with children. And it's like mops here, mothers of preschoolers. And just encouraging them 
um, answering questions. The older ladies in the church come and they, they share. They have Bible studies. And this is one of Sonia's main ministries with our daughter. Our daughter, Olivia, is the one doing the selfie. And she's our second daughter and it helps Sonia in that. So that's really special. Next slide, please. Now the Lord, Lord has called us in to a ministry with more with indigenous people in another part of Brazil. It's about, if we took a car, we drove by car, it's about 20 hours on bad roads. So I usually fly um, for a commercial flight and then rent a car and tear up their rental cars. Going to where we go. Next slide, please. We, Lord, Lord led us to this um, Bible Institute of Kadesh Barnea. And next slide, please, where we met this guy. He's the director of the mission, director of the school, and does a lot of evangelistic work. His name is Jader. I said, Jader, is that your real name in your Indian language? He said, no, but you wouldn't understand it, and much less pronounce it. So we just call him a, his, um, the Portuguese um, Jader. Really good friend. We've become very good friends in the ministry, but um, a lot of times we'll just pick up the phone, talk to each other about the ministry, pray together. Next slide. These are the students, indigenous students, that go to this Bible school. Um, one of the great things that happened last year is we were invited to go give a class at the Bible Institute about biblical marriage, child raising, and we spent two weeks with these great kids. And they'll take that back to their um, different groups of people. Uh, next slide, please. This is um, a picture of us in the classroom. And there were four Indian tribes represented there, the Terenas, the Kajiwel, the Shingu, and the Shavanches. Next slide. They also invited me to speak at their graduation. And um, in case you're wondering, I'm in the middle. <laughs> Didn't make it in time for the cap and gown ceremony. Um, but these are great guys. They love the Lord. And uh, these are the guys who will be going back into their um, villages to share the gospel, pastor churches, and just be in the Lord's work. Now, when we go out to this area, we'll stay for a couple of weeks, sometimes three weeks. Next slide, please. And so they'll invite me to go give a couple seminar in their churches on the weekends. So this is some of the things that we do. Next slide, please. During COVID, um, many of the Indians were afraid to leave and go out, and people couldn't get in. We couldn't get in. And a lot of families were, didn't have food. And we were able to raise uh, money for these food baskets or food kits, which is basic food to feed a family of four for a month. And the Lord allowed us to uh, distribute those through the local church. The pastors decided who got it and who didn't. Next slide, please. So us, us loading up the trucks to, for the pastors to, to take it out. The next month we went again um, to um, distribute with my brother-in-law's pickup. So we would take them all over and share with people. The next slide, please. Um, these are some of the people that, um, leaders of the church that were distributing these to different places. Another thing that we're doing in the institute, next slide, please, is we are, it, it fell on hard times for many years and just, started to fall apart. So another thing that we do is have groups come down from the States or from Brazil and help them re rebuild so they can house students. Um, 
and what they'll do is they'll teach the students in the afternoon bricklaying, carpentry, and everything to so they can take that, take that back to their villages, and also that helps go towards their tuition. Um, instead of paying the labor, we pay for their tuition, and so then that's what um, that's one of the great things that's that's happening out there. Next slide. This is the way it was when we left about uh, four or five months ago, but I know it's even further along. Next slide, please. And this will house two couples to, to be able to study at the school, because right now there's one dorm for guys, one dorm for girls, and that's it. And so we're trying to get things built back up so we have to take more students. Next slide. This will be our next project. Um, Clearing everything out, getting out all the bugs and snakes. Uh, yes, um, I had to go in and help clean that up. Um, I'm a missionary and I'm in Brazil, but I do not like snakes. Uh, <clears throat> next slide, please. One of the students that was in our class is a Xingu. It's a group of Indians in the middle of Brazil. Now you can see there, uh, 6,000 population, 10,000 square miles, 16 tribes. Here's our challenge. The Indian leaders got together, and if what they say goes, you cannot break those rules or you get kicked out of Brazil. And even they won't let, they won't let Indian missionaries go in, like the guys that we're working with. At this time, you can't go in. And so that's a prayer request. These people have never heard. Next slide, please. This is how they live and, um, in this, the Shingu. And next slide, please. They live very primitively, but you can see in the background there's a satellite dish that, that the government put up for them, which, you know, like Internet, it could be a good thing, could be a bad thing. So the good thing is they're, they're seeing what other people live like, and they're curious. The next slide, please. I'll keep going on that thought. Um, these, are, um, this are, these are pictures from that tribe. Next one. And so you can see that they have internet now, basic, but the, go the government does that, so they try to do propaganda. But what, is, what has happened is they are looking off the reservation for what, what the world has to, to offer, and, and they're curious. Next slide. So these little towns are, are springing up outside of the reservation. Uh, people there, and they take um, little shops, uh, little grocery stores, and things like that. <laughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> so when the Indians come off, we can't go in, but they'll come off. What our plan is, and the Indians, is to start a church in these little towns, and then when they come out, um, witness to them. And one of the students that we taught, and one of the students in that school, is from that tribe that you can't go in, but their vision is to have churches there, maybe a little uh, dormitory, so they have a place to stay and then um, share the gospel. That's, that's what we want to do with that. And the, the Lord is, has blessed us so much. Their fervor for the Lord and sending Indian missionaries. And, of course, they've invited me to go along with. And it's, it's going to be exciting. So God is working. I don't, the political situation in Brazil is about the same as it is here. All of it. And so we need to pray for our countries. Um, 
Next slide, this is our family. We have four daughters, four sons-in-law, and nine grandkiddies. So, want to thank you because we couldn't do it without churches like you that support us financially and in prayer. And just pray for us. We're going back, heading back on Wednesday. We'll be in North Carolina for a week at a supporting church, and then we'll be back in Brazil and get going on our, our ministry. So thank you for letting us share, and I'm going to sneak out the side door because we're doing Sunday school class next door. Pastor, thank you so much. Thank you for your prayers. And if there are um, any questions, ask Chris. Right? <laughs> hey, let me pray for you before you step out. Let's pray. Merciful Father, thank you for the work that you have done and you continue to do in Paul and Sonia and their family in Brazil. Father, I pray that they would continue to uh, seek your heart and your will and your understanding for the people there. Lord, I pray that you continue to open doors as uh, we've just been witness to over the years of how you've opened doors and you've allowed ministry to take place in so many different unique ways. So, Father, may your spirit lead Paul and Sonia. Lord, I pray that you continue to equip others through their ministry and may your blessing of uh, just every need be met for them. We pray this in Jesus' strong and powerful name. Amen. 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 God bless you. Let's thank Paul for sharing with us this morning. Let's start by reading a passage, and I want you to simply listen to the words. It's not going to, the words aren't going to be on the screen. I want you to really listen to the words because they can be words that are often very familiar to us. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to him, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for, you, for the many of the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from the fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. And the next verse says, But then they sung a hymn, and they went out. This is a familiar passage when we come before the Lord's Supper. But can you imagine it from their perspective as they were hearing it for the first time? This is my body. This is my blood. I want you to eat that now. And then let's sing a song and let's go on. I mean, it's a scenario that I'm sure just had them going like, what is happening here? This is something that Jesus set forth that 2,000 years later, we're still repeating this. And all around the world today, churches are doing the exact same thing. Fellow followers of Jesus doing the same thing. Gathering around a table, the broken body and the shed blood. Now, if you've been here the last number of weeks, you know we've been walking through a series called Elephants, where we've talked about a number of elephants in the room, and you've submitted questions, and this week, knowing uh, everything that would be happening in service, just felt God say, just take a pause for a moment, take a breath, 
and let's recenter and continue to focus on the most important thing being Jesus, his life, his death, and his resurrection. And when we come to the table, that is what we're doing. We're talking about his life, his death, and his resurrection, and what is yet to come. Every week we've been trying to connect in of looking at scripture and looking where Jesus is active in some of these difficult topics that we have walked through. And and I'm so thankful for what God is doing, the number of conversations I've had with many of you and I know you're having with each other and steps that are being taken uh, towards further healing and conversation and compassion and conviction and care for one another. And I'm deeply encouraged by that. But today as we look at Luke chapter 22, I want to invite you to join me there. I want us to think through what Jesus is doing in this, again, familiar passage. What he's teaching, what he's moving his disciples toward. And in Luke chapter 22, beginning in verse 7, it says, Then came the day of unleavened bread, in which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Now this feast of the unleavened bread happened seven consecutive days. And this was a remembrance of the Israelites escaping Egypt is the exodus going out where the plagues had come and and Pharaoh had finally relented after the Israelites had put blood over their their door frames and the Spirit of God passed over, passing over those who had followed Jesus. And the Pharaoh was like, get out of here, go away. And as they fled, they didn't have time to take bread with them or any allow the bread to rise. And so they had left behind what was there. And so this Feast of the Unleavened Bread is remembering the Exodus, what happened, but it was also a time of remembrance, of purifying themselves, because leaven or yeast was considered sin. We see that in Scripture often, is that when leaven or or yeast is referenced, it references sin. And so to celebrate the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, the Israelites would try to remove all leaven or yeast from their home. And if you've worked with yeast, you know it is just tiny. And if you spill it, it is super annoying to try to clean up and find everything. And so they would try to purify their homes of every element of this, symbolizing this purifying of sins. They would even have their kids look for loaves of bread that the parents would hide the night before and to have them participate by taking the loaves outside, being reminded of the removing of sin. And so the disciples would have this in their mind as Jesus was telling them this. And it continues on. The disciples asked, hey, where do you want us to go and prepare for it? He replied, as you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters and say to the owner of the house, the teacher asks, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs all furnished. Make preparations there. They left and they found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. And when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, take and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread and he gave thanks and he broke it. And he gave it to him saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. So for the last 2,000 years, we have gathered around a table following the example set by Jesus. 
whether it's called communion or uh, the Lord's Supper or the Last Supper or Eucharist or Mass or the Sacred Meal. These are all names that it has been referred to, but it is all centered around Jesus. And so very briefly this morning, I want to think about a few things, a few of the implications of what communion is about because we can very easily just come, get it, go back to our seats, take it and go on without really reflecting on why we're doing what we're doing. We've just always done it. But why are we doing some of these things? So what is communion about? First, the communion is about the body. First, about Jesus' body. We see, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, right? It's about this giving of Jesus' broken body on the cross, his death, his broken body, his shed blood. And Jesus says to do this in remembrance of me. And so when you receive communion, it is a proclamation that you are saying, Jesus died for me. It is not just taking some bread and taking some juice. You are proclaiming to everyone around you, to the world, Jesus died for me. Also, it's about the body of Christ. Because it's not just about you. It's about the person next to you and the person across here and the person beyond these walls that gather in other places to worship today. It is about Jesus' body and it's about the body of Christ, the church. When we gather, when we come to a common table, it forces us to be around other people. And I'm gonna encourage you later to come with your head up. Don't just come like this. It's come with your head up looking around that you all, are people that Jesus loves and gave his life for. And you may have nothing else in common with someone in this room, but you have Jesus in common, and that's why we gather today, and that's why we come to the Lord's table. And so you participate in this as a body, saying, I benefit from this. I benefit from what Jesus did for me on the cross. I benefit from community, whether I reject community or whether I fully embrace it. That is a benefit that I am here. And it's also about your physical body, too. This week, Kai and I were talking about communion, and we were talking about the physicalness of it and how she was just talking about how Jesus gave us something tangible to remember, that we taste, we smell, we, we have feel that crunch. We, it's the, these different senses in our body of remembering. So communion is about the body. But communion is also about remembering while we wait. We remember what Jesus did on the cross, and we wait for what he continues to do. I I think about this in the sense of um, planning a vacation, right? So some of you are maybe already be thinking ahead to this winter or spring of where you're going to go. And so you are planning or you've planned a vacation, And once that's planned, you're going to remember that, hopefully, you'll remember that you have a flight or you're traveling or you're staying somewhere. You'll remember that while you wait. And what you're doing is you're preparing along the way. And this is what Jesus did for us. We remember Jesus' death on the cross. And we know that he's going to return, that he's coming again, that he's not left us. Is that there's this participation, there's this, this waiting, this being that we get to be a part of. Remembering, but anticipating what is to come. And in this waiting, Paul said in 1 Corinthians, a passage about communion, he said, we're to examine ourselves. 
We're to not just mindlessly walk through life, taking in whatever it may be, but we're to examine ourselves. And these are moments that we stop and we pause and we say, huh, have I been allowing sin in my life? Have I been justifying sin in my life? I mean, this is a great daily habit, but this is a definite checkpoint here today of I need to confess sin. I need to clean house. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 5, your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little yeast leavens the whole batch? Get rid of old yeast so that you may be a new unleavened batch as you really are. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. And don't just sit with sin. Get it out. Clean it out. So it's about the body. It's about remembering while waiting. And as I already mentioned a bit here, is that it's about receiving others. You're coming to a common table in unity. It's about what Jesus did for you and the person next to you and the person away from you. It's about remembering that it's about Jesus, not about us. In Galatians 5, Paul said this. He says, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm then. Do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. It's this callback to the exodus. Jesus has come to set you free. Don't be like the Israelites who wanted to go back when things got hard to Egypt. Don't be shackled by sin. It's slavery. No matter how it may make you feel in the moment, it's slavery. It's stand in freedom with Christ. Confess that sin. Don't harbor sin. Don't just rest in the sin. Christ has come to set us free. It's about the body, it's about remembering while waiting, it's about receiving others in unity. And then finally, it's about a foretaste of what's to come. A meal yet to come in the presence of God. Paul referenced that just a moment ago as he stood here. Is this wedding feast. In Revelation 19, it says this, Then the angel said to me, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, These are the true words of God. Is that, yes, we reflect and we remember the meal Jesus shared with his disciples before he went to the cross, but we also anticipate a wedding feast when the church is united with Christ. A day yet to come. And there's great joy. There's great joy in this, where all things are renewed and restored. This is the story. Scripture. From Genesis to Revelation. And so we meet at a common table, reminded of Jesus, reminded of God. Jesus said this in John 6, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Jesus is saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And it's by Jesus that you confess your sin. You admit, I am a sinner. You confess your belief. I believe in you. And then this willingness to follow after. Following one of Jesus' disciples. And when we come to this table, we proclaim, Jesus died for my sin. That I am a part, I'm participating in the benefits of salvation. And that as I come to this table, that I am a part of something larger than myself. There is a body of Christ much larger than myself. And there is a meal yet to come where all things will be renewed. 
for all our heartache, pain, and our brokenness. Look at the face of Jesus. This just came to mind. I went and visited someone um, who's in hospice care right now this last week. And as we talked, um, she, she whispered, she could just whisper, and, and she said, I just want to be with my Jesus. And the faith that I witnessed in her and ministered to my heart is that she knew the truth and knows the truth and anticipates this meeting of Jesus. Her faith of, I want to be with my Jesus. And so today, as we come to the Lord's Supper, as we come, let us remember. Let us come with thanksgiving. Jesus gave thanks before he broke the bread. We'll read this in just a moment. So he came with gratitude. Of, and we are called to come with gratitude as well. So there's a humility and there's a seriousness of that. But there's a great joy in the anticipation of what's to come. That's why I said earlier, I'm going to ask you to come with your head up, looking at others, coming together, but also with a joy that Jesus is still at work in me and around me and calling me this final meal. But first, Scripture calls us to examine ourselves. So before we come, I want to pause. And I want to allow you to examine yourself. And Pastor Gerton used to have us do this. And I'm sure it was a communion a number of times. He said, when you examine yourselves, I want you to walk through your body. Is what do I need to confess that I've thought about? What do I need to confess that I've looked at? What do I need to confess that I listened to, I allowed my ears to be filled with? What did I say that needs to be confessed? In my heart, what do I harbor in my heart that I just hold in my heart that I need to confess? My hands, what have I done with my hands and, and the rest of my body too that I need to confess? And so today, as we examine, I want to pause and, and maybe that's how you can walk through and examine yourself. Jesus is eager, eager to hear your confession. Jesus is eager to forgive. He's so willing we just hear that lie of like, no, that's too big. I can't give that up. Nope, nope. Jesus is eager. He loves you. And so today, I encourage you, just in these few moments of silence, is to surrender whatever that is to him. The first time, or maybe for the hundredth time, you take a few moments and examine yourself and confess.
Lord, you've reminded us in your word, told us in your word, that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just, and you'll forgive us of our sins. And so, Lord, thank you that we can receive forgiveness. And may we walk in that forgiveness, and, and may we truly turn from whatever those things were, are. Jesus, may we walk in your Spirit's power. God, may we walk renewed, knowing you. And Lord, as we come to this table in just a few moments, as we take these elements, may we do it with gratitude and great joy. Jesus, we thank you. Love you. Amen. I want to invite you, uh, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're welcome to receive communion, and uh, we take it as a body together. And so we're going to invite you forward in just a moment to come, and uh, two different options for you is in the gold trays, double-stacked cups, bread on the bottom, juice on top, and then there's some pre-sealed uh, cups in the black basket there if you prefer that. So you come and you'd receive that, or take that with you back to your seat, and then I'll lead us together uh, as a body and receiving the Lord's Supper. So when you're ready, would you please come?
Father God, we give you thanks. Thanks seems to be such a small word for what you did for us on the cross. Lord, know our heart. Give you praise. Say thank you. As we hold the bread, Scripture records that Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread and he gave thanks and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Would you take and eat? records in the same way after supper he took the cup and he said this this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me take and drink the next verse in scripture says for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes the proclamation proclamation of what Jesus did and what he's yet to do. Would you pray with me? Father God, I thank you for the gathering here and the gatherings around the world. And Lord, today we stand exalting Jesus, saying, Jesus, you are the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by you. And so, Father God, may you renew God, our faith today, renew our strength And Father God, as we walk from this place, may we walk fully committed to you. Pray this in Jesus' strong and wonderful name. Amen. I want to invite you afterwards, Mike and Lori. Mike, you're going to be up here. Mike's in the sound booth. And Lori, you guys can come forward when you're ready. Uh, I think Lori's here. Um, They're going to be here to pray uh, for you. And they are eager to pray for you. And they want to pray for you. You are not a burden to them. And as one of the prayer team members said to me this week is, people come in, we all come in with stuff, and we want to leave it here. Let, let this be part of the process. Don't just take it with you. And so come and receive prayer. There'll also be a Stephen minister back at the coffee bar. If you're looking for someone to talk to in a longer term to help continue to point you to Jesus, uh, that's a way to connect with them. And on your way out, I want to encourage you to say hi to someone. Uh, maybe stretch yourself and meet someone that you haven't met before. Uh, say hi. Reintroduce yourself if you have to. Uh, but just uh, uh, to be that as you walk out of here. And so be reminded that we as the body of Christ are sent to be light in the world. And uh, may the Lord bless you and keep you as you go this week. The Lord bless you. Have a great week.